Hello, everyone. One day I'll figure out a nicer way to introduce myself. But welcome to the Shape of a Star podcast, where everyone has a story. We just need to shape it so that we're the star or something like that. Because I don't know, we'll figure it out along the way, people. So today's episode is someone who I like to call a human services person. Why? Because they've done everything and it's all about saving humanity in some way or fashion. So, here to introduce oh no, himself is Kyle. Hey, I'm <laughs> Kyle. <laughs> I don't know how it works. Um, I am a former zookeeper turned Peace Corps volunteer turned current firefighter, uh, 27 years old, and uh, I'm a fucking Libra. <laughs> As Adore Delano would say. <laughs> I don't know who that is, but I appreciate drag it. Drag queen. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't know drag. Uh, <laughs> I watched RuPaul's Drag Race for three cycles. The first three. Oh. Before it got huge. Yeah. I've performed a couple times in drag, but nothing uh, too fancy. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay, so let's go through this, because the question number one, Kyle, is... So I haven't really spoken or seen you fully since high school, which is 10 years ago this year, everyone. How did someone go from regular high school person to college to Peace Corps? So there's like fun stories in between. So just help me fill the gaps. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm kind of like a bit of an impulsive person. So it kind of just turned into something would pop into my head. And I'd be like, yeah, I guess I'll go do that. And then just like fully commit to it. So um, when it came to like the Peace Corps, uh, they just came to see. I went to CNU, Christopher Newport. And the Peace Corps people came to the um, school one day to give a presentation. And I was just like, yeah, I might as well do that. So um, I applied the first time and then uh, didn't get it. So then I was like, I guess a little like scorned from it. I was like, whoa, like, why are you going to turn me down? Um, so they then, denied you? Yeah, the first time. I mean, I'll be, they should have. Like my resume was absolute shit. But um they uh so after that i was it was kind of like a vendetta i was like well if you're gonna deny me like i'm gonna now booster my resume so i started like doing extra volunteering different extracurriculars to get to it um and then applied again in order to get in there um and then i got it and i was just like oh well i guess i did all that work i guess i should actually go do it uh but at that point i hadn't even researched anything about peace corps i was just like yeah okay like let's go do it (laughs) That is a huge impulsivityness. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you know your sun sign. I think it's sun sign. Is Libra. Do you know your moon and rising star, whatever the fuck they're called? I didn't know there were other ones. See? I know I'm born in the year of the monkey. Um, but are you the monkey? Are you yeah, 92? 92. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So for those who don't know, so I started school up in New York, where the cutoff date is completely different than Virginia. In Virginia, it was like what August thirty first, something like that. It's like August yeah. in New York. It's December, so I was the youngest kid up in New York in December sixth, ninety three. So when I moved down to Virginia and I went into school, I was literally a year younger than everyone. I was the second youngest kid in the class. Oh. Wait, Just so what Carter. is your year then? I'm ninety three. Yeah, what is ninety three? The They're year of the cock. <laughs> <laughs> because no one can just put a rooster or chicken anywhere. It's right. always translated the cock. 
Go read yeah. your menus, or not menus, your placements at Chinese restaurants, everyone. Because <laughs> it's always cock. Yeah. <laughs> and it's always the same one, so that might be why it's always cock. Yeah. I hope I don't have to bleep that out. I don't know what anything cock? about that. Yeah. I don't, know. <laughs> I don't know. It's a podcast. It's not like live TV for family. Whatever. So, right. despite the fact this is inspired by daytime talk, everyone. <laughs> but yeah, so I'm also an Ophiuchus. I don't know what that is. Is that like Myers-Briggs? <laughs> no, it's the 13th Zodiac sign everyone likes to like push away and ignore. What? How? Wait, what sign is that then? It's Ophiuchus. I've never heard that before. No one... Okay, it was, only, it was a huge uproar right when we were going into college because they, quote, discovered Ophiuchus again. They knew about Ophiuchus in ancient Rome or Greece. Is that <laughs> like just, another constellation that they found? Yep. So the way the constellations work really fast, everyone, is the where the Earth rotates, it passes through the actual constellations. It's one certain point. And it is a tiny bit in Ophiuchus. It's only two weeks long. Mm-hmm. And then there's actually a 14th one called Cetus, which is like a crab, like also a Kansas crab. It's Kansas, like a different crab. Yeah. But like, and it's only one day in March or something like that. Oh, like the leap year or whatever? <laughs> no, it just is every year, but for only one day. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you could be. But because Ophiuchus was a 13 and everyone abolishes 13 in all zodiacs, do your research, oh. people. Like, it's so true. Um, and then comment below. But yeah. Uh, but Ophiuchus, I like Ophiuchus because everyone's like, oh no, I'm a dying hard, whatever. Your trait stayed with the days. It's just your name that changed, like title that changed. So I thought, you know, I was like, okay, if Sagittarius, beginning of the thing is Aries. I thought it'd be like in between Aries and Pisces and just push everything back a little. No, it was smack dab in Scorpio and Sagittarius. So it's like the last week of, it's like Thanksgiving to mid-December. Okay. Ish time. And December 6th, I was like, oh, damn, I'm a fucus. What's this mean? I looked it up. It really was spot on because it took traits from Sagittarius and Scorpio and got rid of all the things I'm not. Outdoorsy, (laughs) clumsy. And it only gave me Scorpio's bitterness and spite. Well, that's good. You know, you don't want all the negative traits. (laughs) I mean, I think that's all traits other than just like, uh, whatever. (laughs) Rated G for everyone. No, I'm kidding. But yeah, so awesome. So yeah, so you've done everything and anything. And when you finally got into the Peace Corps, I know you were in Zambia for years. Mm -hmm. So like, how do you assignment selections work? Do they just like send it to you? Like, yeah, you have like the whole list. Uh, it's like recently changed. So you have the whole list of places that you can go. Um, and each program, like each country has its own assignments for what you can do there. So for Zambia, we had, uh, they love their acronyms as well. So there was RAP, CHIP, RED, and LIFE. So RED was the education volunteers. CHIP was the health volunteers. Life was the environment and linking income uh, volunteers. And uh, RAP was the rural aquaculture promotion. So that's what we were. Um, So for the rural aquaculture, I applied for it because I had done undergrad research on fishery stuff and like fish habitat. So I was like, all right, cool. Like I can utilize that for like the aquaculture stuff. Um, and Zambia was the only country that had that aquaculture program for it. So I really wanted to do that. And I wanted to go to a country that was 
still developing a lot. Um, because Peace Corps is present in a lot of countries that are already very developed, like Peru. Mm -hmm. Um, and they do a lot of like urban assignment kind of things. Um, but since Zambia is still really developing, um, it was very rural assignments out in the villages. So I really wanted to go to a country like that. Why? Well, I just thought it would like, you know, if I'm going to get the Peace Corps experience, I might as well get the real Peace Corps experience. Um, so I applied for Zambia. I applied for, uh, Mozambique as a biology teacher and the third you like pick three options of what you want and my third one was just send me anywhere what yeah it's like a just roulette roll where it's like yeah send me anywhere like you can pick <laughs> New York LA Chicago yeah <laughs> I, don't, I don't think they have that as Peace Corps <laughs> no that's Teachers for America you could basically do Oh, Although okay. for them, you get to pick five. I didn't do peace, Teachers for America. I always say Peace Over Violence. It's not. It's Teachers for America. Okay. But uh, Peace Over Violence, everyone, by the way, is a nonprofit that works in LA based out of, and they work for just like women's rights. Like it started off as a, what they used to call battered women's shelter, I think. But now it's just like evolved. They, they're partners with guests, Mariska Haggerty. Uh, what's his name? It's not Tyson Beckford. Oh, what's his name? Lots of celebrities, people. If you just go Google them, POV.org or Peace Over Violence. And yeah, they are not sponsoring us. I just know it exists. Uh, So, okay. So you wanted to go to Zambia. Mm -hmm. What part of Africa is Zambia in? So if you like look at, do I have... I just meant like, is it Northwest, South, that's Central? It's, it's like uh, South, it's Sub-Saharan Africa. Okay. Um, so at the very southernmost point, you've got South Africa. North of that is Zimbabwe. And then north of that is Zambia. Oh, so okay. Zambia borders um, quite a few. It borders Angola, barely Namibia, um, Zimbabwe, Mozambique, uh, the Congo. Um, and I think that's it. I don't know. Someone's going to call me out for missing one, but um, <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, so it's landlocked, um, but it has Victoria Falls, which is really cool. It's okay. Call them out, everyone. It's good for the algorithm or something yeah. like that. I actually <laughs> don't know if people could even comment on these once I post them. But... Oh, okay. Good. <laughs> Can't come, come after my geography. <laughs> or you could send an email to the Shape of a Star podcast or Shape of a Star and follow us on Instagram. DM us there. Correct us then. Uh <laughs> but yeah so okay so is it a landlocked country mm-hmm. yeah wow that makes your job a lot harder or like- yeah uh they actually <laughs> sent me to, so i was one of the few volunteers who had any um prior experience with fish farming um well not really, but the undergrad research with fish um one of the, my favorite things was there's one girl there um she had never done any she wasn't a huge like animal person to say um or at least aquatic animals and we were doing um our first fish harvest during training and she's sitting there walking with the net like going through the pond and the fish were swimming up against her legs and she just like throws her net down she's like why am i in here i don't even like fish (laughs) and just had like a little breakdown was just like all right never mind screw this like (laughs) but she got over it she she's a great volunteer so i was about to say i was like can you actually quit the peace corps Oh, yeah, you totally can. A lot of people quit. I would imagine. 
Yeah. But <laughs> I didn't know you could because I know you sign up for like what two year tours or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but they can't just like leave you there. So if you want to leave, you can leave at any point. You just won't get like the benefits afterwards. Oh, you get paid? Uh, paid. We get um, a readjustment allowance. Um, so my readjustment allowance was eight thousand dollars after the two years. Um, and then um, you get priority hiring for government jobs. Like, so that was a big thing. That's what a lot of people were uh, trying to get, including myself. And I guess it kind of worked. It did. I got the job with the Smithsonian afterwards. So that was my Uh, goal. Oh, I was thinking firefighter, but. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Well. (laughs) Although I'm sure it didn't like stop you or inhibit you if you were like, I survived Zambia. Oh, yeah, I bring that up on every interview now. I'm just like, oh, by the way, like, it's great interview fodder. (laughs) Okay, so Attack on Titan probably altered the way people view what the Peace Corps is. Um, I assume you're not being sent off to kill, like, giant naked monsters. So what would you describe the Peace Corps does other than just exist? Because I literally don't even know what they do. Yeah, we're not quite the Survey Corps, but um, we do have a lot of... uh, They sort of pick your main uh, focus. So for like Zambia, I said it was the education, health, uh, environmental, linking income, and rural aquaculture. Um, So you do one of the four. You do three months of training with that and the local language um, so you can help integrate into your community. And then they kind of just like drop you off there. They're like, here's your village. Here's your counterpart who will help you integrate into the village. And um, good luck with your projects. Um, So... (laughs) Yeah, they just like drop you off and you talk to the people in the village. You spend a lot of time integrating, getting to know people. And then um, you just do whatever needs to be done, really. Do you get funding? No. Um, you For the first year, you can't apply for grants. But in your second year, you can apply for a grant that's up to, I want to say, $10,000 for a project. Um, so I used my grant in the second year to build a solar-powered computer lab for my school that I was working at. Wow. Yeah. I didn't build it myself. Like I paid people to do it and was like, yeah, go up there. But like (laughs) I did write the grant, I guess. Um, So you're literally providing technology and access to some of the quote remote places on earth. Yeah. Yeah. There are lots of um, NGOs, non-government organizations that were doing that kind of stuff. And uh, I just wanted to be able, cause I was the, so basically my projects, I was in the village of Kanundwa. And my projects there were I taught science and computer classes. I had a girls' leadership club, a boys' leadership club, an environmental education club, and a junior engineers, technicians, and scientists club for after school. And then we did HIV education. Um, And that was most of the stuff that I did with schools, um, in addition to being like the volleyball coach. Um, And then I had the fish farming stuff and beekeeping which did pretty well and then just like some sustainable agriculture stuff um really it was just a farmer would come up to me and he'd be like hey i want to learn how to do compost like composting i'd be like okay no problem and then i would like bike into town google how to compost bike back the next day and be like here you go (laughs) like here's a like a sheet on how to do composting okay so they're not actually making you do everything you're just providing resources to help better the lives of others. 
Yes. Yeah. A Peace Corps volunteer is not meant to do like all the physical labor and everything. We're meant to be like an, a gateway access point to um, help people better themselves. So that way, when we leave after the two years, they're not like the project doesn't just fall apart. Like we're putting teach a man to fish. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Literally, because you were dealing with fish. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so like, what kind of fish? Like, was it river fish? Like ponds? Tilapia, like... mostly, because they're hard to kill. <laughs> <laughs> is that specifically what they brought you in for? How do you kill this thing? No, it was. Yeah, it's like a tilapia is very durable, and you can ignore them for a little bit, and they'll still live. So that's the fish we chose for our farming. <laughs> oh, so you like imported fish? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we worked. Um, we were a part of the Department of Fisheries for Zambia. So uh, I had like my local southern province uh, Department of Fisheries correspondent. And I'd be like, all right, I've got, you know, three fish ponds that I'm looking to stock today. And he'd be like, all right, well, here's um, you call them fingerlings. Uh, here's some fingerlings that you can use to stock this pond. And then the Department of Fisheries would help facilitate facilitate um, our fish ponds as well. Okay, speaking of fish. Okay, so it was in a pond. That's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Have, okay, so I'm assuming you... you like, There's nothing to do with Zambia. You've seen the videos of the airplanes dropping the fish. Yeah. Okay, is it actually true that it stresses the fish out less to be dropped from the air? I mean, yes, in those rural areas. Like, imagine you're transporting a fish in, like, a plastic bag for 14 hours to get to, you know, middle of nowhere Canada. Um, or you could just keep them in a big tank and then just do a little airdrop. So it's like a minute of being spooked while being dropped versus, you know, 14 hours of jumbling on the side of a road. I don't know. See, in, I wouldn't think in like a plastic bag. I would think they get like something like an oil container. Uh-huh. <laughs> Apt to talk about today. But <laughs> for those who don't know, today's the day of the gas quote scare. But anyways, um... But like you would think you could just like fill that up with water, let the fish swim in there. Like, yeah, but you're still like shaking it around and stuff. Like if if you know you're going to the Swift Creek Reservoir, it's going to be a lot easier to just you know drive a truck there and gently ease them in. But you know, middle of nowhere Yosemite, yeah, it's, it'll be easier to airdrop some fish. <laughs> I fully believe you because I know nothing about biology conservation. Yeah. Flora, they don't fauna. have a memory, so they'll forget it. Oh, do they? Oh, is that actually true? <laughs> yeah. I mean, they don't have a lot of huge brains, so I haven't done the research on it, but, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, I guess we should say this, um, <laughs> everyone. Uh, people are not experts just because I think they are. <laughs> Please do your own research if you f- feel like it. Or you could be like me and just go with it. Yeah. <laughs> Until t- someone tells you otherwise. Yeah, I'm going to get a bunch of fact checkers being like, this guy's actually an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. I'll look at you succeeding, though. <laughs> okay, so what? So you got a biology degree. Mm-hmm. What inspired that? Uh, the zoo. I worked at the zoo for like seven years, the Metro Richmond Zoo, and I loved it there. They were super fun to work with, really nice family who owns it. And um, everything was just like they would teach me everything like the zookeepers would just be like yeah you want to like learn how to feed the penguins you want to just like learn fun facts and I was like oh absolutely I do um so I was always from a young age was super interested in the animals and um I eventually wanted to become a full-time zookeeper with the national zoo um so that was my goal and I just love nature stuff so it was 
very fun, a fun degree to get. <laughs> okay, because here I am thinking you're just looking at like cells under microscopes the whole time you're getting Mm-mm. biology. <laughs> no, I was wildlife biology. So I was all about like ecosystems and animals. Um, I did take cell biology, but that wasn't like my specialty. Like I took like one of those classes just to get the merits. <laughs> you might have a whole like a field day with this. So you know me, you know my personality. I signed up for a creature communication class when I was at George Mason. Mm-hmm. It was under communications, not biology. Yeah. I sit down in class and it's like, hey, everyone, we're going to study creature communications. I'm like, okay, cool. And apparently it was like friggin' birds and wildlife. Yeah. And you had to like go and observe everything. I love that. <laughs> you love that. But I was like, I thought we were looking, like talking about relational aggression. Mm-hmm. And like just how humans interact. And they're like, no. oh, you are a psych major. <laughs> birds trying to get it on and what it sounds like. <laughs> Uh, I don't know about all that. I was trying to remember what else. It was like, oh, we had to find like wild animals too. Mm-hmm. And I was just sitting there. I only was there one day and then I literally sat in there. I was like, I'm transferring out of this class. <laughs> and they were all, because I knew people in that class too. And they were like, why are you here? Yeah. I'm like, I want to learn about human interaction more. Right. It's fascinating. <laughs> no, humans were two weeks at the end of the semester. Mm-hmm. And I was like, uh, no. Why is this a communications class and not a science class? Yeah, right. <laughs> Like, in a sense, it makes sense, but, like, not for me. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. So, okay, so how did you end up getting the job at the zoo? Which, the Metro Richmond Zoo or the Smithsonian? We'll start in Richmond. Uh, the Richmond one, I mean, it was just, I was, uh, who was it? Someone in my German class. I think uh, Riley Brady was working at the zoo, and he left and i was like oh you work at the zoo that's so cool and he's like yeah but i'm i'm doing a different job and i was like okay well i will take that then so i just like went in and applied and i was like yeah i know riley brady and crystal zentgraf and uh the zoo was like oh they're great people like all right well cool and you know did a formal application process did my interview and resume and everything so it was like a jobs a 16-year-old taking tickets at the start. So it's not like it was really a, a very difficult job to get into. No, but I didn't know. Right, I forgot Riley worked at the zoo. I just yeah. spoke to him yesterday. Oh, really? Nice. Yeah, I was like, you want to come on? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, come on this. So eventually you may hear this Riley Brady again. Yeah, making connections. <laughs> I tell everyone, like, this whole podcast is basically me networking and just wanting an excuse to ask more questions to people. Yeah. <laughs> Questions I would already be asking, but uh-huh. yeah, the world can hear too. Boom. But like, okay, so do you know what Crystal Zengraf is up to these days? Because you and Riley are like scientists galore now. Mm-hmm. I don't. Um, last I saw her was when I was running the Richmond Half Marathon. And she was running the full, I think. And she was just kicking my butt. Like I was like <laughs> just exhausted, dying. Uh, and she like runs up behind me and is like in the process of passing me. And she's like, Kyle, I'm like, Hey Crystal, what's up? And, uh, she's like, cool. You want to run together? And I was like, yeah, sure. And her pace was like way faster than mine. She just like, I was like dying. So I ran with her for like a mile and a half and then was like, all right, we're done. Like you're too fast. Get out of here. And then she happily left. Yeah. 
but I, she seemed like she was doing well in that <laughs> brief time. I don't know. My brain may have blocked out some of that memory, but <laughs> all good. No, I have never had an interest in doing any of that either. So yeah. <laughs> we handle two very opposite sides of spectrum of fun. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So you also mentioned you work at like the national zoo. Is that the same thing as like the Smithsonian conservation biology Institute or is that different? Mm -hmm. It's the same. So um, the National Zoo is owned by the Smithsonian Department Mm -hmm. and the Conservation Biology Institute where I worked at was like the sister satellite component of the National Zoo. Um, So we were out in Front Royal. Um, We weren't in like DC proper. And um, we did uh, like animal, like exotic species uh, breeding, like we had cheetah breeding compounds and uh, Manual. You went all the way to Front Royal to do cheetah breeding. When I the didn't. Richmond Zoo is number one in the country. I know, right? <laughs> I was saying that. They were like they were getting their cheetah breeding compound up. And I was like, I worked at the Metro Richmond Zoo. Like we were the number one. We, I think are. I know, we still are. We still, still. are. Okay. <laughs> I was like, we are the number one. Like, you want some help? And they were like, no. And I was like, okay. Because I worked as the conservation biologist. Um so I was just like in the ecology department measuring trees and cutting grass. So <laughs> they didn't, uh, they didn't take too highly of my suggestions. Okay. When you measure a tree, are you measuring like the height or like the girth? The girth, the diameter at breast height is what we were measuring. Whose breast? Uh, you know, just like it was standard was three and a half or four feet. I don't know. It, uh, you just like walk up and it's like close enough. Oh, okay. So it's not like an actual, like... Yeah, when you're measuring, like, 70,000 trees, you kind of just, like, get over it, and you're like, eh, about this height. <laughs> okay. Uh, so because it's titled the Smithsonian Conservation Biology Institute, one, that seems like a super far drive from Front Royal, two, uh, to Front Royal from Richmond. Oh, yeah. I didn't... I lived in Front Royal at the time. Oh, I didn't know you were up here. Okay. And two, how often do people mistake you for a librarian? No one did for, um, based on what I was doing, you know, I just looked like a, you know, trashy mess in my cargo shorts all the time covered in poison ivy. Uh, cause my job was almost, it was like 75% outdoor work and 25% just entering data and stuff like that. So if anyone saw me, they would just be like, Oh, it's the sunburned ginger who's always scratching himself. And I'm like, yep, that's me. Like I got poison ivy again. Sorry. <laughs> And still probably in that same happy, like, giggle laughter that I've never seen you outside this demeanor. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it happens sometimes. I don't know. Okay. So while you were there, you cut grass, you enter data, you measure trees. Anything else interesting? Uh, not super interesting. Like, there were a few projects that I was working on, um, but I was only there for a year. And I never really got too much in the swing of things. Um, It just wasn't for me. I'm not a plant person. I don't really like um, the plant aspect of things. And I was working with people who were so passionate about it. Like all of the interns who would come in, they were geniuses. Like they were, they could see a tree and like feel the leaf and be like, oh yeah, it's like the boobula dubulus tree. And I'm like, okay, cool. (laughs) Um, And I just like straight up didn't care. I was like, I don't care about your trees. Like I wish I did, but I don't. Um, so that's one of the reasons that I left where I was just like, you know, I'm not, I wanted to transfer to work with animals cause I love animals 
And my department was ecology and focused on trees. And I was just like, I can't get into it. So. <laughs> wow. I finally saw that's where our personalities mesh. I don't care about your trees. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I care about them like on a grand scheme of things. Like, you know, I care about conservation of them, but you know, if you're going to talk to me about tree species, it's just in one ear and out the other. <laughs> okay. So how did you go from that to being a firefighter? That was um, actually something that kind of came from Peace Corps that kind of carried along. So this one's not like a super fun story. Um, but uh, when I, my whole thing when I joined the Peace Corps was I want to get that preferential hiring and I want to work at the National Zoo and become a zookeeper there. Um, but while I was there, um, there was one instance where I was dri uh, riding my bike into town um, and I see there's a huge group of people that's all surrounding this um, like reservoir lake kind of thing. Um, and I'm like, oh, I wonder what's going on. So this guy comes up to me and he's like, oh, you have to come, you have to come see. And I'm like, what happened? And he's like, two children are drowning. And I'm like, oh, excuse me, what? And he's like, yeah, come on. So I go over and everyone's just like standing around this lake. And I'm like, well, where are the kids? And they're like, they're in the lake. I'm like, well, why is no one doing anything? And they're like, well, no one knows how to swim. And I was like, oh, okay. So I'm just like sitting there. I'm like, I guess I'll jump in. Like, I know how to swim. So I go like looking around for these kids and, um, you know, can't find them. A couple of other people end up going in the water as well to help look. And someone finds one of the kids and like pulls them out. And I was like, how long has a kid been underwater? And they're like, probably an hour. And I'm just like, ooh, like, uh, okay. So at that point, I didn't know how to like coach people into what to doing. I didn't know how to do CPR. I didn't know like if someone could in theory survive for under a underwater for, you know, like what, how long can someone survive underwater? Mm -hmm. Like without major brain damage and stuff like that. I assumed an hour was too long, but you know, I didn't know. So I just felt very like ill prepared in that situation. And I hated that feeling. Um, so after that had happened, um, it really stuck with me. Um, I taught like swimming lessons in my village. Cause I was like, you kids will learn how to swim. Like we're not doing this. Um, but it always just kind of like lived in, in my head and I was just like, you know, I want to be able to help people. I want to feel prepared in emergency situations. So I'm not just sitting there questioning what am I doing? Uh, like I was before. Um, so I came back, I got the job with the national zoo, didn't feel super into it. But while I was doing that, I was like, all right, I'm going to take EMT classes. Um, so I can at least, you know, get prepared. So I took EMT classes while I was working at the zoo. And I really liked those. I thought it was so interesting learning, like, all the ways that, you know, sounds cynical, but like all the ways people can get hurt, and then like all the ways that you can help <laughs> them through it, and stuff like that. Um, so just enjoying that time. Um, my dad's a police officer. So public service was always kind of a thing. And I was like, I think I might want to be like a, a public servant. And he was like, okay, cool. Don't be a police officer. You don't want to be one right now. And I was like, fair enough, fair enough. Um, so I went to fire. So he makes fun of me all the time for being a firefighter. But um, I really like it. He's, he's really likes that I'm a firefighter. And uh, we can just joke between each other on uh, how I can't go into dangerous people situations and 
everyone hates him. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you could joke about it. Yeah. Uh, but okay. So let's reflect everyone. You were a zookeeper. Mm-hmm. You were a firefighter. Mm-hmm. You have lived how many childhood dreams of how many people? Exactly. I'm just knocking them all out. Like that's what I got to do. <laughs> no, <laughs> Test what's them next? all. Next is an astronaut. Clearly. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's no animals in space, so exactly. Don't know what you're no doing out there. Either, so we're good. <laughs> oh, right. No plants. Maybe that's your key. Just bring the cat with you and see how it reacts again. Yeah. <laughs> or cat. Okay. So speaking of cats, what would you describe you do as a daily, like day in the life of a person working as an EMT in the firefighter world, other than like. Because everyone's always like, oh, you're like stopping explosions like Power Rangers and you're saving cats and trees. Like, <laughs> what would you describe what you actually do? Uh, no cats and trees as of yet. There has been a drone in the tree. So uh, that's <laughs> 21st century cat getting them out. But um, <laughs> uh, it's so there aren't as many fires as there used to be. Um, you know, people have sprinkler systems, smoke alarms. Um, things are just you know, made to not catch fire anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why uh, 85% of our calls are um, EMS calls and free ambulance services, which is really nice. So you don't have to feel bad. Like when people call and they're like, oh, I can't afford it. And it's like, don't worry. We're, the ambulance is free. The hospital's not, but the ambulance <laughs> is free at least. Um, <laughs> and um, yeah, so most, uh, a lot of EMS calls, um, some range from, you know, super serious, like heart attack, cardiac arrest stuff um, to the minor, like some, an old person just fell and they need help getting back up. Um, so it's anywhere in between. Just uh, customer service is like a big thing about it now. <laughs> it seems like it. Actually, I have a fire fire story. So yeah. when I moved into my apartment, like our stove would have would cause a fire alarm to go off all the time. I kept mm-hmm. calling maintenance and it was like six months in the living here. And I was like, look, every time I turn the stove on, the fire alarm goes off. Like, and it's now starting to smell like gas in here every time. Mm-hmm. And it's like really strong. Well, what am I supposed to do? Like apartment people. <laughs> yeah. And they were like, Oh, here, call the non-emergency number. I'm like, okay, cool. So I called the non-emergency number for the fi- local fire department up here. And they're literally half a block away. Mm-hmm. Like from there, because they're uphill from us. So from the fire department, you could see my apartment complex. Nice. <laughs> and so I was like, hey, so this is what happened. They're like, okay, well, that's great that you're calling, but we can't be dispatched unless you call 911. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, uh, I feel bad doing it because it's like not an emergency because I definitely can control it. And they're like, no, 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 call. I'm like, okay, <laughs> fine. They're like, okay, we're getting everyone ready now. I'm like, yeah. okay, I guess they gave you the heads up. So I like called 911. I was super like, they told me to do this. That's how I started it. <laughs> <laughs> and then two minutes later, six fire trucks, full lights going, a bunch of people on it. Like, hey, uh-huh. I'm like, oh. I was like, oh, you guys were just bored. <laughs> Could <laughs> or be. Something. Could be. Yeah. I was like, I needed one person to come out here and check the gas. Yeah. <laughs> like, and, but they sent like six trucks. Dang. Okay. And I was like, <laughs> you guys knew what this was. Yeah. <laughs> and the poor, the apartment manager ended up quitting right after. Really? Oh, he was geez. like so stressed. Yeah. Cause he, I was like, I, he like looked at me. He, he's like, why? I'm like, they told me to do it. Yeah. And you wouldn't replace my stove. Yeah. So the sorry. fire department actually deemed sorry. that they had to replace my stove. 
Nice. Okay, there you go. <laughs> Ever, since I moved here, we've had every appliance replaced except the fridge. Oh, nice. Okay. We have a new Get microwave, a new sink, a new laundry, like, washer-dryer. We got a new, like, it's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> but that's my firefighter story. I'll send you the photos later. Yeah, I have, like, right. Full videos. Full photo um, op. <laughs> oh, and the worst part was, is when I called, it was when schools were dropping off kids. Oh. So because there were, five, like, six, to, six like, fire trucks, like, right by the entrance of my thing, the school bus couldn't get through. Oh, geez. To drop off the kids to the apartment complex. Yeah. So you just see these parents casually walk out. The kids are crying because <laughs> they <laughs> think like the building's burning. And yeah. I'm like, I just need someone to check my gas. Sorry. Like, <laughs> <laughs> the firefighters are super cool. though. I was like, oh, my. He's like, oh, hey, I was the one on the phone. He was like, hey. So I took photos with them. Yeah. <laughs> while someone was checking. And they were like, you can't go into your apartment. I was like, why? I have to like know what they say. They're like, oh, we'll come out and talk to you. Meanwhile, I live with my sister, right? She mm-hmm. went in the back door, not knowing I was calling. And uh, she was up there the whole time with them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just talking to them. And, like, all of a sudden, I'm like, can I go in yet? They're like, oh, yeah, they're out. I'm like, okay. They're like, oh, your sister was there. They told her everything. I was like, what? <laughs> so the most, like, fun, unique fire story, I feel. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so, yeah, that's super cool that you're doing all this stuff. And I know that you identify as someone as part of the LGBT plus population Mm -hmm. but i also know where you come from where you've worked and been how has navigating all these very different levels of judgment and like homophobia and acceptance been for you because you've literally been around the world yeah it's definitely been interesting to say the least um but it has shown me a lot of um you know different sides of people that you wouldn't expect um, like the Metro Richmond Zoo that I used to work at, they were religious owners um, and they incorporated that. Like they were closed on Sundays and all that stuff. Um, so yep. at the time when I first started working there, I was in the closet um, and it was always something that like gave me a bunch of anxiety. I was like, oh my God. Like um, at the time in Virginia, up until maybe like a couple months ago, you could be fired for being gay. Um, that wasn't a legally protected thing. Yep. Um, so I was always like, oh my God, I love this job. Like, I don't, I don't think they'd have an issue with it, but I'm not going to bring it up. And then, um, it was like Christmas of 2012 or something. I don't remember when, um, but we were having a Christmas party and they were like, oh, bring your significant others. Like, it'll be fun. And I was dating a guy at the time and I was like, Ooh, I like went up to my manager and I was like, uh, can I, uh, bring, my boyfriend to the Christmas party. And she was like caught off guard. She was like, Oh, uh, uh, yeah, of course. Yeah, sure. Why not? Like you could tell she was like, not sure what the answer was. And then, uh, but I think cause I just caught her off guard. And then, uh, she came up to me like a couple hours later and was like, absolutely sorry for being weird about it. Yes. You can bring your boyfriend. Um, so he came and they were all super nice. Um, so it was really, nice having you know who is imagined to be like you know the very religious people um it was nice having them be so accepting and so open about it um and so cool and then flip that and you go to zambia where it's you know punishable by 14 years uh in jail to be gay and uh (laughs) it's not as cool (laughs) um so i was only out to other peace corps volunteers and peace corps staff and the staff was super cool with it. Um, they're trained on all that kind of stuff. 
Um, but you just kind of have to go back into the closet and you've got to listen to people be super homophobic around you and you stand up for them. Um, but in Zambia, it's almost seen like um, being gay is like a Western disease and it's not possible for a Zambian to be gay. Um, it's only a Western thing. Sounds like China. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, <laughs> they were just like, yeah. Um, I ended up giving, um, cause we had, uh, my village was seventh day Adventist. So on Saturdays they would have like an eight hour long church ceremony. Um, and I would go to those in order to like integrate into my community. Wow. And I ended up giving a sermon during that for, uh, with one of my students. So I gave it in English and he translated it to Tonga and, um, just on, LGBT rights and stuff like that. Uh, and it was pretty well received. A couple of people were like dismissive of it. Um, but for the most part, I think they were just happy that I was getting involved. And they were like, oh, like you did a very good job. Oh, uh, thanks. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> yeah. You don't trust the headlines all the time, people. Yeah. <laughs> like, because when people think of Africa, they always think of like safaris. Mm-hmm. And like, there are really developed parts of Africa, which I'm sure you know, mm-hmm. that yeah. look just like cities over here and stateside. Yeah, like you go to Lusaka, uh, Zambia's capital, and it's, uh, albeit it's not a nice city, like it's still developing in areas and stuff. But you know, all the people are like the nicest people I've ever met in my life are people from Zambia. Like they're so giving, so accepting, and mm-hmm. just will like give you the shirt off their back in a heartbeat. Nice. Yeah, I so I was like in an African dance troupe. My and my teacher in college for African dance was from like Ghana, and she always told us she's like, "It's not what you think, everyone. Everyone there has an iPhone too." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You go to the city, everyone, because I have like a crap old like Howie. Ho- I don't know how it's pronounced. Howie phone. H A W E. I'm horrible with technology. How-y-o-y. That's what Tyler was for. Uh, okay, yeah. Whatever. Tyler's from the other episode, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever it was, it was the cheap phone. And I went into um, town with it and I got a call and uh, my Zambian friend Yala looks at me and she's like, oh, sweetie, you cannot have that phone. It is an embarrassment to you. And she like pulls out her iPhone 9 and she's like, this is what you need. And I'm like, I can't afford that. <laughs> um, but yeah, they've, they've got everything we've got as well. So, Yeah. And it's just a very, very enlightening thing. So, Okay. You you were accepted. You just had a, like, different levels of out. How does that correlate to firefighters being super sexualized and a super homoerotic stereotype? It is. Um, I guess so. Like, it's very fetishized, I guess. Yeah. Um, so people will be like, oh, you're a firefighter. Um, and a lot of people have been like, can you wear your uniform? And I'm just like, uh, no, that's a cancer risk. Like it could have carcinogens in it. So we don't take it home. Um, so it's heavy. It's heavy. Yeah. I'm not, I'm a sweaty person. Like it's not cute. (laughs) That shit's hot. (laughs) I was like thinking of like all the layers that like all the protective layers and just it's heavy equipment you have on there too. Yeah. Yeah, it is. (laughs) So I don't get it, but I'm glad that it hasn't adversely affected your life. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you're younger in the younger age, like, you know, you went to Cosby, you know what it was like there. Um, That's my next question. (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, but yeah, um, I wasn't out in high school, um, but it was not a great environment. I know that you were. Um, so it's very, I do wish I had been more of an ally, like uh, albeit being gay, but like an ally in high school in that front, because like you would hear all the terrible things. Like I heard, you know, I'm, I'm sure this isn't a surprise to you, but I hear like people say terrible things about you. And then like, there was one instance where I tried to like stand up for you. And I was like, no, 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 like you can't. And then like immediately gets turned to like, well, why are you saying that? Like, are you gay? And then you have to like backtrack and you're like, no, like, cause you're, you know, you're not ready to come out of the closet at that point stuff like that. Definitely uh, not a great experience. <laughs> but, and the thing is about that is people would come up to me after they would do stuff like that and they would apologize to me. Sorry mm-hmm. I didn't stick up for you more. I was like, it's not your job to, it's my job to. Who said it? And let me go yeah. confront them in a minute. because as you know like it was i'm not a quiet person everyone knew where i was and what i was up to the whole time Uh (laughs) which i liked akin to the rosa parks method of safety Mm, what is that so rosa parks after like her whole great civil rights movement incident uh she always said she's like it's safer to be in the public eye than to fade away because when you fade away they don't notice when something happens Oh, okay. Also, I'm just a loud person in general, so I just kind of was like, you know what? I'm going to weaponize this. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But thank you, Rosa Parks. You've helped people, including me. (laughs) What a lady. What a gal. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so that was the thing I've always wondered, too, because like you, lots of people were in the closet, like, and then came out like right after, Mm -hmm. like high school or like during high school or like not during high school, but like at the very end of high school or right after. Mm -hmm. And even, like, now people are starting to come out. And I'm like, it's been 10 years. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I hope you weren't struggling with this for the past 10 years. Right? Oh, my God. I'm glad it's, yeah, it's it's good that it's much more accepting now. We were Um, at the very tail end of it not being. I know. We were in the Xbox Live days. (laughs) Yeah. And so, okay, so while you were hearing all this, like, negative stuff about me, I was always wondering, like, what was it like for everyone else that was, like, in the closet? Was it just, like, typical, like, angst about, I'm in the closet, I can't live my life? Or was it, like, more? Because there was so it's such a different dynamic than what I experienced. Yeah, well, I would say it's a lot more of an internalized dynamic. Um, because every time someone would say something negative about you or someone who is openly gay, like, that's now taken like to heart because like if I were openly gay they would be saying that about me now and it would really be shocking where you know it's someone who you're friends with and then they would say something super homophobic and you're just like oh well I guess if I were ever to come out to you like you would think the same things about me and it's like all right well now I'm gonna lose you know xyz friends because they have a problem with people being gay um and you end up just getting a lot of like self-loathing from taking all of that in and, you know, attributing it to yourself. Um, So I know it's not like direct personal attacks, but you know, you catch like the- But it kind of is. Yeah. Because they were never saying it to me. Mm -hmm. They were saying it about gay kind. Right. Okay, most of the time. Sometimes it was directly at me, but <laughs> I, I shouldn't say that. No, some of the comments were directly at me. And I'll be honest, some of the times it was definitely me instigating, like lashing out to them, and then it was them defending themselves. But yeah. <laughs> it was because they did it first. Right, yeah. 
and that was the hostile environment I went to high school and everyone. Yeah, not, uh, I didn't have a bad time in high school, I would say, but you know, it was definitely not what it could have been, um, had it been a better environment. Yeah. I'm glad you didn't have a bad time. (laughs) (laughs) I was trying to think of this. How do I say this? I'm glad you didn't have a bad time. That was not my experience. I had fun. Yeah. I would not have said it was a good time because there were so many instances that just like were swept under the rug when I would report them. Oh yeah. I can imagine. Yeah. Which sucks too, because most of the staff were really supportive. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Because you know, I work in schools now. I right. went substituted there for like four years after I graduated. Mm-hmm. Everyone was super nice. Everyone was super cool. They hired even more younger teachers. Mm-hmm. So to give perspective, our high school was, we went in like the second year was open. Yeah. But they hired all these teachers from upstate New York that were all friends. So there were like 20 of them and they were all 21. (laughs) So these teachers are only like 10 years older than us. But when I went back and substituted, I was like, oh, you're my age. Oh, I'm one of the 21 year olds now, Mm -hmm. like back at the school. I'm like, wow. So I don't know. It was just an interesting dynamic. It's been such a very young culture staff school, Mm -hmm. which I see is very different because I've been like substituting and working in a million other schools with marching band. Mm-hmm. And it just sucked because they were all like super supportive. Yeah. And they were just like, we keep reporting it up, Danny. I'm like, oh yeah, I believe you. You wouldn't write that report and show me that you're writing it that and not do anything with it. Like what a waste of your energy in life. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, no, it's no biggie. I know where I am and I know that this is just like a tick, tick, tick. I'll be out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's a shame, you know, like, especially when you look up back and you see like, you know, every like, high school peace drama and stuff like that. Like high school is the best time of our lives. And I feel like LGBTU, at least when we were growing up, never really had that. Yeah. Although I never believed that because I knew my life would never be like high school musical, which was like what I wanted. So (laughs) no, but I got lucky. Although I did find it interesting. So at what point did you realize that you actually were, part of the community oh like back in eighth grade yeah um i dated (laughs) i dated my friend grace for a few months because someone was like hey kyle how come you've never had a girlfriend and i was like good point uh hey (laughs) so i like pointed to my friend i'm like you want to date and she's like yeah sure we just like one time at the eighth grade dance and then (laughs) like never talked afterwards i did the same to erica tillman uh i dated her for (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah don't forget you went to prom with <laughs> rachel i did yeah so uh, i had i had a history of just dating my friends and then not talking to them once we started dating <laughs> not only that everyone so rachel was one of my best friends in high school she dated every closet case in the whole school <laughs> like everyone she's just so nice like <laughs> nice no gaydar like it was a bunch of things <laughs> because i remember when she said she was going to prom with you i was like oh another one <laughs> and she was like he is not gay danny i'm like okay fine. let him live prom. his life yeah i mean i did ask her out to prom with a baby orangutan so that was pretty dope did you yeah i brought her to the zoo and i came out with zoe the baby oh. orangutan and a sign that says i'd go bananas if you went to prom with me Wow. So, I mean, that was pretty good. I'm pretty proud of that one. <laughs> wow. You know, 
speaking of the zoo and the homophobia that you didn't experience there, do you know how many people said I wouldn't get hired there? Really? Yeah. Everyone was like, Danny, you'd never get hired at the zoo. Yeah. Because of like how religious they are. And I was like, is that true? Is it? I don't know. I mean, I was, I was already like five years into working there when I came out. So they didn't really have a choice, but uh, I don't know. I don't know either. And that's how life was for me too, because everyone knew everything about me. Mm -hmm. Although I will say everyone, like my denial was strong. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone, because everyone I talked to that like came out like now, like, oh, I've known since like middle school, elementary school. No, I did not know until the day I came out. Really? Oh yeah. I was just like, no, no, no. (laughs) I didn't feel different. I didn't like, I've always acted the same. So, Mm -hmm. but I just never felt different until the day someone got a haircut walked into algebra and the world literally melted away it was so (laughs) stupid like you know how movies like they like vision focus it happened yeah and everything went slow-mo for a second and my first thoughts were like shit they're right (laughs) they got me (laughs) and by the end of the day i was out yeah (laughs) because that was like in third fourth period around when lunchtime so there was only one more period left of the day and by the time school ended it was like i was out yeah, it's like boom, got it. That hair because I was like, strong. it's better if I admit I'm wrong now. Yeah, <laughs> and then everyone could be like, aha, for a day. Then people just slowly finding out. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Spite fueled me a lot in high school. If you haven't caught on, <laughs> <laughs> but it's how I survived and became a pow- quote powerhouse that yeah. I am today. Yeah, it was funny. Cause, yeah, when I came out to my parents, they were like. Is that why you always like playing as Princess Peach? And I'm like, no, because she could fly, but also maybe. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I like how your example is Princess Peach. And mine was, well, I should say, all my cousins were older uh-huh. than me by like eight years and up. So they were all playing Mortal Kombat and stuff. And I was picking like Melina and Katana because mm-hmm. I was like, I want the fans. Right. <laughs> and like back then it was super sexualized outfits in uh-huh. every video game they did. And I was just like, I don't care. Yeah, and like, I, my parents were super suspicious at first, and they were like, "Oh no, you're probably just gay." Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yeah, so your parents didn't know? No, not until I came out. Um, winter uh, of my first year of college. Oh yeah, and they were like accepting. That's super cool. Oh, super accepting. I came out in like the most awkward way possible to them. But um... <laughs> if you want to share, feel free to, and I'll share mine. Oh yeah, yeah, we were. <laughs> We were watching the Winter Olympics, and it was the year where um, they had the hologram of Freddie Mercury. And <laughs> so I like, I'm like sitting there. And I'm just like, did you guys know that Freddie Mercury was gay? And they're like, yeah. And I was like, did you guys know that I was gay? <laughs> and my dad's just like, uh, nope, didn't know that one. <laughs> and I was like, yep. And we just like sat there and watched the high jump. <laughs> and I like was like, all right, bedtime. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, was it? Did you come out to your who? What was the order of what you came out to people? Um, the first people. Well, the first person I came out to was my friend from middle school, and she didn't like. I hadn't seen. She went to a different college or high school, and so I hadn't seen her. Uh, and then I like ran into her at a bookstore, and I was just like, "Oh, hey!" And I just like came out to her in the process, and. She was like, oh, cool. And then she didn't believe me. And then she was like, um, well, I think we should date. And I was like, uh, no, I don't think we should do that. Do you not ah. remember what I told you? 
And she was like, yeah, but I don't think, you know, you really are. And I was like, okay, well, I am. And then she was like, all right, well, I guess you don't mind me telling everyone that you are. And I was like, no, please don't. Uh." So that didn't go well. So then I just blocked her and I was like, all right, we're going to wait another year. (laughs) Like, We'll see how it goes a year later. So that was like junior year of high school. And then a year later, who was the first? I think it was... Erica, like was it was, like, was it Erica? <laughs> yeah, it was like Erica, Rachel, RJ. We went to, um, oh, and Tremont uh, w- went with us too, and it was, it was funny. But uh, we were hanging. Tremont and I were hanging out with, um, like, uh, some of my really good friends even today, Jordan Crow and um, Drew Simmons and Warner and all them, and um, we were telling them how like Erica wanted to go to Godfrey's. So uh, Tremont was uh, dating Erica at the time. So he's like, all right, well, I'm oh, going to go. Oh, yeah, they did date. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, all right, well, I'm going to go too. And they were making jokes. They were like, oh, like, you know, don't be gay or whatever, like joking around with it. And uh, then we go to Godfrey's that night. And I like go up to, like, I pulled the group in. I'm like, huddle time. Like, if you guys see me dancing with a guy, that's cool. I like that. And they were like, oh, like, that's awesome. And then <laughs> cue the awkwardness for the next like two or three times that Trey and I are hanging out with like Jordan and all that group. Uh, and they would like be like, oh, how was like Godfrey's? Did you guys like get hit on by any guys? Like, oh. And then every time Trey would give me like this wide eyed side look, like, oh, oh, they don't, they don't know. Um, <laughs> And then when I finally came out, they felt like terrible. They were like, oh, sorry. Like we were joking. We didn't know it was real. Like they felt super bad about it. Didn't some of them come out too? No, no, they're all straight. Okay. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) All right. They all felt bad about it, but it was, it was funny. Just like having Tremont's awkwardness, like every time like something got brought up. (laughs) And I know it's your own journey, but I remember the night you came out actually. Oh, yeah? <laughs> I got cursed out in text. By who? Rachel. Really? How dare you get it right again? I am cursed. <laughs> she just went off. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, sorry, Oops. why are you not cursing out like RJ who's there? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, for those who don't or didn't go to Cosby during the years we were there, uh, we there was like a 2,000-something kids school, 2,500 maybe at the high estimate. It's over 2,000, less than 2,500. And for the time we were there, there were only like, I was the first person out and I came out like January of ninth grade. Mm. Because again, I just didn't know. (laughs) And then like, someone came out the next year. Another person moved in and was just out. And then I found my boyfriend and he came out of the closet because... We were dating. <laughs> Somewhat. <laughs> and yeah, so that's just that. Yeah, it, was like, it was like five people in the whole school or something. It was ridiculous. Yeah, that was just like out, out. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it caused quite an adventure of life. Constantly getting called names and just all this other fun stuff. Yeah, fun times. What was the most creative name you heard them say about gay people? Um... I mean, like, Xbox Live insults were always just, like, standard ones. But the one, this one was about you. But. Go for it. I don't care. 
because you were on the flag team, uh, the, oh, yeah. the, the flag it. I was like, I that's mean, not an insult. That's actually a group. Is it really? It's like an organization and everything. Oh, maybe. Like people used to think people made it up to be mean, but I was like, no, the flaggets are a real thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was mean, but it was also like props to you for at least being clever with your meanness. <laughs> yeah. The funniest one I ever heard was someone just called me a butt pirate out of nowhere. <laughs> See? It's funny. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, give me that booty. <laughs> Not even that. I was, I just remember he like said it as I was, because you know where the bus was let out. I was mm-hmm. walking towards the cafeteria. He just called me a butt pirate. I just started laughing and kept walking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he was so angry and he just was like, that's right. I'm like, yeah, oh, yeah. shut up. You didn't fucking win. <laughs> like, that was too funny to take seriously. Goodbye. Right. And then I ran to, like, Tyler and Rachel. I was like, guess what? He just called me. New insult. Gonna add it to the book. <laughs> and to this day, it's still the funniest insult I've ever gotten. <laughs> but Pirate's pretty good, yeah. All right. So I already know that, like, being a firefighter is, like, super sexualized and just a homoerotic dream. But so is a redhead, apparently. Do people question if you're a natural redhead or not? I have never had someone in America question if I was a natural redhead. But in Zambia, it was um, considered to be, like, touched by the devil if you were a redhead. Um, So some people in Zambia were like, oh, that's not your natural hair color. Like, you can't be a redhead. You're too nice. And I was like, well... (laughs) One, you don't know me, but two, um, they, um, but they were the only ones. Um, they didn't have like the whole like South Park gingers don't have a soul thing. It was just like you have a soul. It's just been touched by the devil, which I'm kind oh. of okay with. Like it's it's kind of cool. Like, Speaking of which, have you ever done the call me what you want, call me what you need down the fire pole? We don't uh, have a fire pole, unfortunately. What? Yeah. Oh, what a letdown! <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Would you have? Uh, not at the fire station, but I mean, you know, catch me at the bar and you never know. <laughs> I would have done it, but also like I've done pole dancing classes too. Yeah. So it wouldn't have been like abnormal for me to just be like, all right. Yeah. <laughs> well, there was a, a drunk bus at CNU that would take you to one of the bars and they had a pole in the back. So I may have, you know, done some pole dancing on that in my time. But that's not the same as the music video coming out. Right. Since the music videos come out, I have not pole danced. Um, you know, COVID regulations stopping me from being a hoe. <laughs> I mean, you could have bought the $20 like pole and installed it in your room or something. Right? I know people that did. It's a great workout, everyone. I've heard so. <laughs> That's why I'm pro it being an Olympic sport. They've been petitioning for years to try and get into the Olympics. That would be interesting. <laughs> it would be. But they're like, it's too sexualized. Even though what they're wearing is just the same leotards like dance people wear, mm-hmm. but with more skin because if you have fabric, you slip. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's why it's like super, super like skin tight, like athleisure. Well, not athleisure. Mm-hmm. There's this like pretty sweet one, but yeah. But like, if you actually look up like the world championship pole dancing competitions, like there are people that have like five poles and they like leap from one to the other and like do spins and stuff. I was like, this is intense. Yeah, for real. It's horrifying. Yeah. It's so pretty if you're into (laughs) all that stuff. Yeah. All right. So (laughs) we will give a rest to our PSA for representation now. And we will move (laughs) into a more fun topic because I know that you are at least somewhat geeky enough to play D&D. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, what's your favorite race class to play? 
favorite race class i mean my favorite class is the druid um you know clock oh, for the sense. nature yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then i really like being gnomes and like halflings and just like the smaller uh creatures because it's just fun like imagining a little gnome like running up and being like talk shit get hit and then like turning into a giant bear and like claw you across the face <laughs> my first D D character was a gnome bard Oh, nice. Yeah. Because of that exact reason, I would just use vicious mockery. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Talk shit, get hit. Oh, you got cut because I just cursed you out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, so you like playing the short and fun druids. Yeah. What's your favorite druid form to go into? Like my favorite circle or. I don't know. Like I haven't played 5 in forever because I play Pathfinder now. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Circle of the Moon is like clearly the best. Um, circle to choose but um i like wild shaping into i like to what's my favorite combat animal probably at the lower crs like the giant centipedes just because they like i don't know they're just cool like i like a giant centipede i think it's freaky <laughs> i was like it is freaky but you yeah. beat me to it and made it a happy thing so my line doesn't hit the same now. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's fun. Like you just get to like I love the role playing aspect. So just like role playing is like a little centipede like crawling up on the the roof and just dropping down on your enemies. Oh, it's fun. <laughs> right? Like got to be spooky. <laughs> yeah. All right. So if you are into D&D and just like mental health in general, which everyone should be because it's a great thing to be aware of, Geek Therapeutics wants you to feel like a superhero who defeated the villain in your favorite comic book. Imagine what it is like to be in an anime sh character shoes. Feel proud during the instant you raised your arm in victory after you, after conquering a Dungeons and Dragons quest, and cherish the moment you hugged your teammates after winning that esports tournament. Geek Therapeutics wants you to use geek culture and its artifacts, such as video games, anime, fan fiction, comic books pop culture, esports, and tabletop RPGs to unlock the best version of yourself and others approved by the APA and the NBCC. APA as in like literally the American Psychological Association. So like the people that make you do citations and the legit like leaders of psychology. So they're approved by them for their trainings and certifications. Check them out at geektherapeutics.com. Use the special link in the description and subscribe to their awesome content and begin to learn how to mix the wonder of fun with bettering humanity. And yeah. Also, I don't know, it's just a cool thing. And then you don't have to be like a mental health person to do it. They do certifications just for anyone that wants to help other people. Although I think if you earn it, you're you're a specialist. You become a certified geek specialist Ooh. or a certified geek therapist. That's pretty cool. It is super cool. I was <laughs> the first person to earn it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I did it. Okay, so like this podcast, everyone, it's no secret I made this out of vanity. Like, they know. I, like, rushed that because I was like, I could be the first. Yeah. I am great. And so once I got it, I was like, okay, I'll tone it down so they don't, like, you know, get sick of me, right? Anytime they introduce me somewhere, he is the first. That's all <laughs> they say. I'm like, okay, fine. You okay. it. it. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not just me. Okay, so you also DM, mm -hmm. right? Okay, so what made you decide to DM and what actually makes it fun for you? Because I hate DMing. <laughs> um, the first time I DM'd was in Peace Corps, actually, 
We weren't oh. playing uh, Dungeons and Dragons. We were playing the Call of Cthulhu. And Ooh. oh yeah. Um, when we were in training, my friend Brian was hosting it and he was so good at it. Like it was super fun. And, um, but he ended up going to the Northern province of Zambia and I went to the Southern, um, and I wanted to keep playing it. So no one had ever played. I had only played the one time with Brian. Um, so I was just like, all right, well, I guess I'll try it. Um, and Call of Cthulhu, it's the same like tabletop experience as D and D. And you do combat and all that stuff, but it's more horror centric. So um, it was really fun because, like, I like horror movies. I like scary stuff. So it was fun, like, getting to set the uh, atmosphere. Like, you're just in like a rural area of Zambia. Like, all the lights are off. You've just got candles going, scary music playing off your phone, and you're like hunting this woman who's slowly going insane from like an entity living in her brain and like you're just like spooked out the whole time uh your phone could play music uh-huh yeah i had yeah it was it wasn't a great phone but it still did the job <laughs> <laughs> I, i'm thinking like an old, old like slide phone like one of those blackberries no, it, okay. it was like uh the off off brand smartphone so <laughs> All right, yeah. So, and what's the best D and D story that you could share with us, like, or hmm. mishappened adventure, or just uh, the one that came to mind first is um, it actually happened last night. We were playing, and uh, yeah, we were. Um, uh, they were going, and they um, opened the door to this room where there was a spectator, and it's like a big bad enemy um, who's guarding this area. And I like give my whole like, like, what are you doing? Like blah, 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 kind of th- uh, spiel. And they close the door and they're like, all right, let's not go in there just yet. And then they do some other stuff and they come back and I had forgotten that they had already opened the door one time. So they open the door and I do it like the exact same as the first. I'm like, oh, who are you? Like, what are you doing in my lair? <laughs> and um, they close the door. And they, uh, one guy like looks at the teammates and he's like, okay, apparently every time we close the door, it does like a hard reset on this guy's memory. And I'm like, oh shit, it does. <laughs> so, <laughs> so they end up just like opening and closing the door. And every time I just have to do the same intro because I've painted myself into this corner. And, you could have uh, just rolled and been like, oh, it's a will save or wisdom check. Yeah. Well, eventually what I did was... Um, because every time they would like open the door, try another deception check, and when they failed, they would just close it again. And <laughs> eventually, they got like a four on deception, and I was like, "You insult me!" And I like had them shoot a laser beam and like blow off the door. And I was like, "All right, roll initiative. You can't do that shit anymore." <laughs> That's a creative way to round that. Actually, good job. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, Kyle, are you ready for the rapid fire question portion? Yes. We'll see how it goes. Okay. And remember, just go with it. Am I giving like one word answers? I don't know. Some of them are this or that. Some of them are just like opinions and go, just go off. Because let me tell you, I'm the one that's screwing it up with the rapid part. (laughs) I should just call it improv questions or whatever. Yeah. Even though they're the same. So question one, what are your chosen coping skills? Uh, I guess working out, keeping myself busy and a lot of video games. Which video games? Uh, like right now I'm playing Mario and Rabbids Kingdom Battles. I got a Switch, so a lot of Switch games. Super Smash Brothers, League of Legends. 
Um, you play League? Yeah. I play every night. Oh, I play a lot of League. <laughs> oh, let's change some of the names. <laughs> I, like, only play uh, ARAM pretty much, but... <laughs> oh, okay. I play Normals. Mm. But I ADC semi-confidently. Ooh, look at you. I support and mid. Nice. Actually, you know RJ. I play with RJ all the time. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. RJ goes mid or top, so. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then, like, my old roommate from college, he supports. So, yeah. Nice. Either ways, this is not rapiding. Uh, <laughs> okay. Pick a side. Lancaster or York? Uh, Lancaster, I guess. I don't know the difference between the two. <laughs> no one does. It's the War of the Roses people. Okay. <laughs> I was at first. I thought you said Lannister, and I was like, "Okay, but York isn't like one of the Game of Thrones people." <laughs> Lancaster and York, Lannister and Stark. Game of Thrones is based off the War of the Roses. I did know that actually. Someone had told me that before. Yeah, there's a whole video. There's a really good video on YouTube. If you just type it in, it pops up immediately. Yeah, this pretentious guy on Tinder went on like a 20 minute rant about it to me, and I was like, "Okay, I get it." <laughs> <laughs> it's like your plants. I don't care. Yeah, it's like you took history. I don't care. <laughs> Where do you stand on the Oxford comma? I'm a fan of it. Like, I'm not going to be offended if someone doesn't use it. But every time someone, like, gives an example where they're like, see, this is why an Oxford comma is important. It's like, no one read it that way. Like, no one thinks that you're eating your mom and toast. Like, calm down. Uh, To be fair, some do. Uh, (laughs) It's definitely me. I'm like, what? Oh, oh, the comma. Yeah. If I told you to bring a pie to pie day, what kind of pie would you bring? Apple pie. Wow, you're the fastest answer for that. Okay. <laughs> what is an innocent phrase that you mistakenly or subconsciously weaponized? An innocent phrase that you weaponized? Um, what, like, not my circus, not my monkeys? Sure. Yeah, I say that whenever someone's like, trying to get me into gossip or like into drama. I'm like, hey, that's not my circus. It's not my monkeys. I don't care. I've heard you say that to me before. <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't even me trying to drag you in. I'm just like, look, this is what's happening. Yeah. <laughs> and you're not having it because you hate me. Uh, <laughs> what's a trend that went too far? Um, like social media as a whole. Like, I feel like when everyone had to post like everything every day, like, I love social media, but I don't like that influencers are making millions of dollars of making teens feel insecure. Not all of them do, thank you. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to make millions of dollars by trying to make teens not feel insecure. Boom. Take that, then. <laughs> I don't know. Those are the ones I follow. That's why I know yeah. that. Yeah. Because <laughs> I don't care about your lip gloss. <laughs> but your or... lip gloss is popping. Your lip gloss is cool. Where is that from? I know it's a song. All the boys keep stopping. They chase me at the school. You don't remember? You're showing your age. No? I don't know. I don't know. It's called lip gloss. I don't know. It's like Lil' Kim. Oh, okay. That's why. It was way yeah. before when I got into music. <laughs> I spoke about this before, people. I didn't start listening to music till Lady Gaga in 2009. So mm. anything beforehand, it's Disney Channel or Nickelodeon only. Yeah. <laughs> For me. Um... If you could rule an established country or territory in this world, where and why? Um, probably Liechtenstein, um, because it's super small and you don't really have to worry about world affairs too much. So you're just like the ruler of like a couple thousand people. So you're not like, you know, too powerful. 
Is that in Germany or like by Germany? Yeah, it's by Germany. Oh, it's I didn't even know that was the same country. Yeah, smallest country in the world. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I wonder if they have universal Wi-Fi. Probably. It's got like a thousand square miles. <laughs> like, okay, so here's the thing. There's an island country and the they just have like universal Wi-Fi. Oh. Because their island's so small. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And I think it's either that country or a country near it that their official currency has Pikachu on it. Love that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What avatar nation would you come from? Water tribe. Me too. Everyone's saying water tribe. Like, I mean, they're clearly the best. Like, well, okay. Well, are we talking culturally or like which avatar power would I want? Because I would want culturally. Ooh, I want water bending, but like. The water tribe's pretty sexist and pretty traditionalist, so I'd probably be more. I love the flair of the Fire Nation, like. So you go from sexist to colonialism and like world domination. Yeah, unless we're talking Legend of Korra, because they're isolationists in Legend of Korra. Yes, but also Korra fixed the sexism of the water tribe. Did she? <laughs> Yeah, it's in the comics in between. Oh, okay. <laughs> Big Avatar fan. Uh, <laughs> so, who would play you in a documentary or movie about your life? Uh, who's the guy who does Ron Weasley? <laughs> Rupert Ginger. I don't know. You just said Ginger in like a weird accent. I want you to. Yeah. Whoever's a redheaded actor, like it really doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> wow <You're busted>. Last <laughs> what's your ideal five minutes of fame um like what would i be famous for if i could? like just if you randomly went viral for something what'd you do um i mean obviously you'd want it to be something good so probably uh, some like super dope firefighter thing like you know saving like, a cat save a cat from a tree and like that cat ended up like being Taylor Swift's cat. I want to meet Taylor Swift. So something that gets me to meet Taylor Swift. Really? Yeah. I love her. She's my favorite. <laughs> You're a Swifty. Oh, hardcore. I'm not judging. Her reworked album is amazing. <laughs> like <laughs> I'm just, I have this whole thing against Taylor Swift. Not because of anything she does. She does great work and great, she produces great music and does great work for things. Also, mm-hmm. I think she's still the ambassador of New York because I don't think they ever replaced her. She deserves it. <laughs> does she? Mm-hmm. Does she? You have like JLo, Alicia Keys, like all these people from New York. Yeah, but I love Taylor Swift. So, <laughs> And that's the thing. So that's how I felt originally. And then Taylor Swift donated but tons of money to New York. Specifically like the education system and all that stuff. I was like, okay, fine. You bought my approval. Yeah. <laughs> like everything else in life. <laughs> it's fine. fine. <laughs> Just buy the approval. It'll be fine. It works I with the stimulus checks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've learned so much about you today. And yeah. it's been so great catching up. You too. Thank you. <laughs> and if you have any questions or comments, you could reach out to the podcast on Instagram at the shape of a star. Or Twitter. Oh, yeah, we have a Twitter now. Ooh. Also, oh, it's The Shape of a Star. No podcast because it's too long. Mm-hmm. Or email us at the shape of a star podcast at gmail.com. It's literally in the logo, people. Like, you can find <laughs> us. It's the same logo. 
<laughs> but we would love to hear from you because I'd love to hear if you had questions or comments for people. Yeah, who fact checked all my dumb shit. Fact <laughs> checked it, and if it is fact checked, we'll bring him back to have him experience. <laughs> Slap me in the face with actually this country border Zambia. <laughs> <laughs> better than me i didn't even know where zambia was <laughs> that's why i had to ask i was like what part but yeah so is there anything you'd like to say before we release to the world and i go actually play D? uh no i think that's about it well thank you so much for coming on kyle and to the world thank you good night and catch you next episode <laughs>